So you know I'm fasting from anger. Yeah. How's that going? Well, it's 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 interesting. There's a lot to think about with it, which maybe I'll reflect on at another time. But um, the way it's affected my life at the moment is that I lost a squash game today <laughs> and I couldn't really get angry about it. <laughs> it was very uh, frustrating. I couldn't sort of g myself up. Is that like? Really. Is that you're sort of in a Macanroe? You have to get angry to get the <laughs> get your juices going. Well, I mean, the truth is, it doesn't do me much good generally. Anyway, I'll still lose. You know, <laughs> I did at one point. I have to admit, throw my racket. Did you? Well, then you failed. <laughs> no, I like to do. I like to think I did it in a very considered. And, uh, you know, calm way. I just discarded it because it was clearly a bad racket, not because uh, not because I was angry in any way. Welcome, everybody, to episode 274 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Uh, je m'appelle Nick Page. Very calm and unangry. <laughs> and uh, there is Joe Davis. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Good to see you, mate. I'm sorry you lost. <laughs> I, I generally do, to be honest. It's age. Yeah. But anyway, um, listen, uh, I know we've got church notices, which is staying defiantly. Yeah. I'm not going to go through all no, that again. No, I don't think you what's should. What's the point? No, exactly. You know, <laughs> it's on the website it is it's, it's in there. april it's there i'm gonna do it for you thank you you know appreciate it yeah april thursday the 18th to friday the 19th of april in brighton somewhere it's on the website for heaven's sake go there <laughs> great well that's good that how, helped that's really helped how are you <laughs> uh, i'm all right actually it's spring it's spring. spring it is spring yeah We've got irises, little dwarf irises up in our garden, nice. which is lovely. They come up quite early, but, you know, that's... Uh, daffodils are out now. Have you got daffodils yeah. out? Uh, yeah, yeah, we have actually a few. Very hopeful and lovely. We like that, yeah. Yeah, got lots of birdsong and, of course, loads of flooding. That's <laughs> yeah, the other thing that spring has brought to us yeah. in my area. Uh, that is yeah, true. Lots more rain. Uh, what else has been happening? Um, I am doing a sort of focus course, as you know, uh, and there's a sort of digital Lent thing going on, which is interesting. So I'm, I'm sort of cutting down on, well, you know, trying to cut down on lots of digital sort of distractions. Okay. Uh, so it's sort of just coincided with Lent, actually. It's not a specific Lent thing, but, you know. So I'm even less on social media than I was before, and I was barely on it before. You're even less sociable than you used to be, and you weren't sociable then. This is true. But Excellent. I am blogging still, so I'm still still doing okay. a bit of blogging. And, you know, maybe putting up some stuff related to the show. I'm kind of planning something. But anyway, that's a thought for the future. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, nice. I won't discuss it with you because you are the junior partner. Okay, I feel fair enough. I just need to <laughs> carry on. Um... Went to Derbyshire. I went to Derbyshire. Oh, good. Lovely. Oh, yes, this was... Yes, I remember you saying. Now, do tell. (laughs) Well, it's not an area of the world I know very well. Uh, It's lovely. It's beautiful. Uh, We were near a place called Worksworth. Um, 
Went to some very old churches. Obvs. Of course he did. Yeah. Um, lovely uh, place in Repton with an Anglo-Saxon crypt. Uh, very, very good. You'd have loved it. And um, are you are you asleep? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the best yeah. thing was the names. The best thing yeah. was the names because we were staying. The place to go towards where we were staying, we had to uh, drive up Bent Lane. Obviously. Um, which in itself was a turning off knob lane. So, you know, I felt in many ways I'd come home. (laughs) To the land of Double Entendre. (laughs) Well, knob is, of course, that part of the world. It means hillock or hill or whatever. It predates the rude version by a long time. Yes, Uh, In fact, I've got ancestors who came from uh, Cockett's Knob. So that was nice. Good. In Staffordshire. (laughs) That all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we do have some extraordinary names in this country. Does, does everywhere have these names? I mean, what about listeners in America or Europe? Do you have weirdly named places as well? Or is oh, this a do. peculiar yeah. English thing? I don't know. Do no, they? no, no. No, they do. Yes, there's do a they? town in America called Intercourse. Is there? Do you not know this? No. Yeah. Is there? Yeah. I mean, that's a single entendre. That's not even a... <laughs> <laughs> That's extraordinary. Well, I think they meant social intercourse, you know, interaction oh, between. Or maybe they meant two roads meeting in the sort of. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's a geographical meaning of it. Okay. Well, but, uh, there you go. Yeah. Well, we'd love to know more. Send your emails in. <laughs> yeah, because fundamentally that is what this podcast is all about. It certainly is a large part. Very of little to do with spirituality. Um, yeah, and of course, I'm still thankful for food. Of course Obviously, you are, yeah. Ha- having started that, and this week I shall like to be thankful for Wensleydale cheese. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, right. I thought you'd appreciate that. You're not finding me disagreeing with you there. It's, class- no. it's a classic. Delicious. Apparently brought over by the Cistercian monks okay. in the 13th century. Okay, and, don't uh, spoil this. <laughs> no, no, it won't, but it was, it was seriously in decline until Wallace and Gromit came along. Oh, um, well, very good. Great. That's me. Great. How are you? Yeah, all right. Well, d- defined by things I have done and haven't done. So um, Sunday had a lovely... What I mean, you was talking about spring and we went around Nyman's Gardens. Very muddy, but the good news about that was I had boots on and there were very few people around. So Rachel and I had a lovely walk. And we had this conversation, which we're going to pick up on later. Um, uh, that is uh, That has really initiated the subject for this week's podcast. And... Um, but then I was oh, supposed to go and see my football team, the mighty AFC Wimbledon, that fabulous footballing side everybody's heard of, mm. languishing in Division 2. And uh, it all went wrong. That was Tuesday night I was supposed to go. I was busy. James, beloved listener, James, I'm so sorry, said, I've got a ticket for you, Joe, want to come? I said, yeah, of course I do. And then the whole day went wrong. I got stuck in Hove and there was no way I was going to get there in time. So that was a bit of a disaster. And a disappointment, although I did miss a completely useless game of football on the plus side. Where do they uh, play now? They play back at back in the the glory land, back in Wimbledon. Oh, do they? Where they belong, yeah. So it used to be the Kingstonian Stadium for many years. But, and, uh, I mean, what really hurts about this is the whole reason uh, Wimbledon, you know, was sold off and went up to MK Dons because the chairman claimed there was no way you could ever have a stadium in Wimbledon, so... Fans started their own club. 
and have got a stadium in Wimbledon. So I don't think he tried <laughs> that hard, to be fair. Uh, so uh, there we go. But we won't talk about MK on this podcast. Oh, no. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, this Saturday, I'm going to the Isle of Sheppey to scatter my brother's ashes. So we managed to get some back from Mexico. And uh, yeah, that is that. But, sorry, ha- look, I don't want to be ghoulish and I don't want to cause yeah. you any upset here. Yeah. But you got some of his ashes. Yeah. So so he's being, he's he's sort of intercontinentally being scattered. Oh yeah, he's he's being scattered. He's been scattered already a bit in Mexico, and now he's he's coming to be scattered in his home over here as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how that works. You can do what you like with ashes, can't you? So, so we are. I'm not sure technically you can, and uh, you as a funeral celebrant probably shouldn't be saying that, I would well, have thought. Well, you pretty much can, to be fair. I mean, yes, sometimes you need a bit of permission, but as we all know, easier to ask forgiveness than gain permission so much of the time in life. Yeah, but you can't just scatter them where... You, you can't just go to the pub and go, well, I'm going to pour them out here, or, you know... Well, it's better to be sensitive over people's to these, food. To these. It's best not to add ashes to food, in my ex- humble experience. <laughs> but what I meant was, you can, you can take them to parks and, you know, beauty spots right. and yes. things like that. Yes. That's, that's what I meant. You're just being ridiculous. Well, no, I was just seeking clarification. And obviously making light of a very sensitive subject, if I may say so. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know my pastoral methods. Yes, and, I do. Uh, Only too well. <laughs> have you cheered up yet? I think you have. <laughs> yes. So, should we get on? Yes, we better had, hadn't we? So, uh... Well, let's do a few uh, bits of feedback. Uh, well, no, just a couple, uh, perhaps. Um, so we're going to pick up from the church thing. Again, we, we had quite a lot of correspondence on this. So I think we felt we don't want to overdo it. But some people have said a couple of things differently. And Susie is one of those. Um, and she said, Dear Joe, personally, I long for a church that is connected to the Anglican tradition and versed in the ancient traditions, including the Celts and mystics. Yet it is also awake to all things multicultural and all deep wisdom traditions, as well as continuing to make new living traditions. My ideal service would be within an hour, use inclusive language, being mindful of its choice of pronouns for God, incorporating the divine feminine. It would welcome all and be seeker friendly, encouraging belonging over believing. It would ask open ended, thought provoking questions, celebrating diversity, mystery and uncertainty. It would avoid atonement theories that divide and separate us from ourselves, each other and God, or use unhealthy dualisms, for example, Christian, non-Christian, sacred, secular, etc. Any talk sermon would be ideally 10 to 15 minutes max. And then she went on and talked about styles of music, types of worship. Anyway, it was really helpful. So uh, thank you for that, Susie. Uh, 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 We've cut it down. Sorry, it was a really great and helpful email. I want to pick up on one thing in particular from that, the use of language and inclusive language, because I said last week... I went to this evening uh, with with um, some women leading some thoughts around the divine. And it, it did occur to me then, um, you know, I use the she pronoun for, for God quite often. And that's not to try and be clever or woke or whatever it is. That is, li- that is literally because it it seems 
I really notice it when you go to meetings and everyone's talking about God and saying he this and he that and he that. And it it does seem ridiculous to gender God. So I suppose I think, well, let's at least swing the pendulum in the other direction to remind people that God is not a he Um, and to use she. But it does seem to me the time is fast approaching where we should just stop gendering God generally. That's just how it feels to me. We... But what? How would you do that? Um, to, I mean, what gender would you use? It? No, I think they. Them. Be, them and they. Yeah, I think so. I oh, mean, okay. doesn't Genesis even do that? So we could recover that. God is plural. Yeah. yeah. So there we go. Um, you know, there was God being woke from the very beginning. <laughs> so I, I think that we should recover that tradition. And and just it it does seem strange in this this world to keep referring to God as He. It really does. And I know Rachel would share this sentiment with me. Um, so yeah. So I'm going to try and totally rid myself of doing. It. I've been a bit casual with it, uh, but uh, you're. I'm going to try and say from here on in, you're not hear me referring to God as He, mm. unless I'm trying to make some deliberate point about how ridiculous that is <laughs> okay anyway well i never thought about god being woke but i mean you can imagine in the <laughs> early patriarchs encountering him and abraham going like oh this political correctness gone mad honestly. yes exactly you know, give, give us a... <laughs> i you know we we feel on this podcast don't we? we 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 know it's very male by sheer virtue of the fact that we are two men of a certain age and a similar, I suppose, socioeconomic background. But I think for a lot of young women today, who I imagine don't listen to the podcast, actually, but but were they to, I think they would find it strange. I think I really do that we kept referring to the divine, omniscient, ineffable God as he all the time, I suspect. I don't agree with you. I, I think the problem might be that they don't find it strange at all. They might find it off-putting, mm. but it's not strange, is it? Because it's heard everywhere. I mean, you know, I think, I, I think that you know, you go into all these um, uh, places, and God is uniformly referred to as He. I'm not, I'm not defending that. No, no, no. I'm no, just no, saying no. that I don't yeah. think it. I don't think they would find it unusual. They might, they might find it off-putting, as they might find a lot of other references. Well, yeah, maybe, but but I'm thinking about the sort of. Um, you know, people who are exploring spirituality. So let's assume they haven't gone oh, to church okay. and they have never really heard that. Yeah, okay. And they haven't gone yeah, to a school enough. where they yeah. prayed to God our Father or anything like that. So perhaps their first encounters would be with a purely masculine deity. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, there we go. Anyway, we should move on. But um, Susie did put a PS in. She said, I'd love to know if there are any people wanting to gather face to face in the Leeds, Yorkshire area to discuss mid-faith issues. So... If you do, I guess you write to me and I'll forward your email on if you're happy for that to Susie. Obviously, we can take no responsibility for uh, any no. outcomes of this. This is not a service that we offer. It's not a paid service. The value of your investment might go up or down. Thank you. Patrons park here at their own risk. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. I don't know what else to say. I'm just covering the lawyers no, here. No, that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> I mean, Susie sounds like a lovely, lovely human being, 
But we all know she could be an axe murderer. So, you know. She could. Yeah, exactly. Who couldn't, really? Exactly. Anyway, I'm going to move swiftly on. Uh, He had another uh, excellent uh, email from uh, Mick. Mick, again, I'm sorry, I'm not going to read all of it out, but I'll just pick up one heading. He talked about a one-man church. One-man church. And he says, I'm not sure if I can be a church on my own. He says, but I don't actually have much choice. Maybe I can be a Christian outpost. And I do feel that there are two really important things that I need to do. Firstly, to live well and to seek to become more Christ-like. The second, to seek to be Christ to every person I meet. My prayer every morning is, let me love well. And he says, seeking to be the best husband I can, a good friend and a good neighbour currently takes up all my time and energy. And when you have more time, perhaps because you're not going to church meetings, it's amazing the difficulties and problems you stumble upon. (laughs) and i I just thought that section was really interesting because obviously Mm. at this point in the email he was talking about the fact that you know he finds himself in another country now and he doesn't go to church anymore and you know we've always had the thing oh no man's an island and you know you can't be a christian without going to church you need but sometimes people genuinely you know for whatever reasons can't do that and i sort of just raised an interesting question about what do you do when you find yourself unable to go to church or if 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 the local church right by you just is toxic for you for some reason um then you do have to be a christian on your own and 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 what do you do and i actually like where he landed that actually well i'm going to remember first principles here you know my life's about becoming more christ-like and being christ to every person i meet which i thought was a an excellent goal in those circumstances absolutely and it'll feed nicely into what we're going on to talk about i think mm. i think the there are actually many christians around the world because i sort of encounter them quite a lot with my other part of my life is mm. who have no choice but to be a church mm. on their own of course yeah you know, sometimes yeah. in such isolation that they can't even tell their family yeah um it, it's not ideal i don't think because we all need those kinds of support and some kind of community support really and they they crave that more than almost anything else but um you know no there are obviously times when you have to do that and i think mick's um observation is absolutely true you're still there's still a calling there's still a, a job to be done there's a there's a a discipleship task mm. um it doesn't you know you may not have a church but you're still a disciple i think so yeah. there you go and oh and also i know i bang this drum a lot but you know well done for saying to be the best husband i can you know the person who is most affected by your discipleship to jesus is going to be the person you live with and you see most of the time and you know the priority must be loving them well Uh, i think that's well said okay yeah well uh, now this is interesting uh my friend because you you've you've put some stuff the heading in our show notes, and we do have kind of a running order. I know that might come as a surprise to many of our listeners who can't see any structure in this thing whatsoever. Um, you'd say that you've said this. I'd like to talk about the meaning of life. Yes. Yes. I think the time has come. <laughs> do you not feel that's slightly ambitious for the second half of this podcast or do you yeah. just want to go for you have you got some new insight into it that, that other people haven't had is my question i suppose well I, I i'm sure i haven't but i i suppose i want to be up front and say my my thinking is really changing around what is the meaning of life and 
I've had some thoughts, and this was the conversation Rachel and I were having together as we strolled around Nyman's Gardens on Sunday. So I thought, look, I'm probably wrong about a lot of this. And who's the best person to turn to when I'm wrong about something? And <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the person who reminds me of that so often. <laughs> I think that is your purpose in life, is to be wrong so that I could be more right. You know, that's how <laughs> yeah. I see it. So what's happening with you then? Well, I think, I, 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 in all honesty, I don't think this is unconnected from grief and stage of life and mm. finding myself, I've got a birthday coming up, I'm going to be 59, Nick. Imagine now, so near 60. Oh, shut up. And that's really old, as we know. Anyway. <laughs> so, anyway. Lost all sympathy with you. <laughs> okay. Well, look, here, here's a deal by way of intro. <laughs> So nearly all my life, I've, I've basically relied upon my faith to give meaning to my life. So the basic justification for that is I have an identity as a child of God and and God has a purpose for me because, you know, you, you, you learn about that verse in Jeremiah very early on. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, mm. plans to prosper you and give you a future, blah, 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 blah. And for obviously fulfilling that purpose is going to bring meaning to my life. And actually... I don't disbelieve that. I mean, it, it did bring meaning to my life, but that's not really the point. So I remember going to my minister at the age of 16 and saying, you know, I want to be a church leader like you, but but run a church not like this church because this <laughs> church is boring. Not that I was arrogant when I was 16 or anything. Uh, and then I went to Oasis <laughs> and then I went to Spurgeon's and I was a church leader. Then it was basically the pattern of the next, you know, 30 years or so. And, uh, you know, during that time of working at Oasis and going to Spain, you know, we were singing all these songs about we're going to be history makers and, you know, how my life was destined to be purposeful and meaningful. And, you know, we had those people who prophesy over you saying what significant leaders are you going to be. Do you remember that stage back in the 80s? Oh, absolutely. Yes. You couldn't move. Everyone was prophesying it. over you. Do you remember that stuff? When they weren't praying for your legs to be longer and things like that. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So now I'm just starting to rethink some of that stuff, really. And, and, and I suppose the key question here that I'm posing is, does God bring meaning to my life or is that my responsibility? Right. And the answer might be yes to both. Well, that's all we've got time for today. <laughs> <laughs> do, no, but do, do you know, do I get to choose the meaning my life has? Say, I mean, we could say in collaboration with the, uh, the divine. Mm. Um, do I get to choose what meaning my life has? Or is that something that is laid upon me by God and we need to spend hours, you know, in prayerfulness, you know, just waiting for God to lay on us? Uh, her divine plan and I'm I'm starting to think actually it, it might be our own responsibility rather than that of the divines don't I get hmm. to choose every day what a meaningful life would look like well so I think there's different levels here aren't there okay we the, the, it, the trouble is a lot of the words that we use and the way we use the meaning and purpose and, mm. and all this kind of stuff you know if we wanted to go down the rabbit hole you'd have to talk mm. about the meaning of the word meaning but 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 i think there is this indication that you all of us you know mm. there's it's quite a strong um 
sort of uh, background hum of finding your purpose, mm. finding what you're you're meant to be doing. Even outside of Christianity, there's still this kind. Of, you know, what were you? What were you here for? What is your one sort of goal? Yeah. What's your one purpose? I don't know if you've ever seen The Jerk, the film with Steve oh, yeah, Martin. Special purpose. Yeah. Where he finds his special purpose. <laughs> yes, he does. Yeah, I love that. He spends film. the whole film looking for his special purpose. And it's a bit like that. You know, as if you couldn't possibly be happy if you didn't identify this one yeah. unique yeah, sort exactly. of thing that, that God intends for you. And often that's an activity or it's a place or it's something you've got to fit in with. Um, and I do think actually it's a bit futile. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that some people don't have that. Mm. I think some people have got a very strong sense of, of purpose and identity, and that's what, what they always knew they were going to do. Yeah. But did God give them that, or was that something they they just good at doing? Wanted to you do. know, I don't, I don't know, something they liked. I look back on my earlier life and just think it was so ego-driven, you know. So, you know, I decided to oh. become, I might have decided to be a business leader or something, but I chose to be, you know, I wanted to be a church leader. And mm. and, and I suppose so much of that is, well, I'm going to, yeah, I, am, I, Joe Davis, am going to build the biggest, grooviest church the, the world's ever sure. seen. It was born out of ego. I don't, don't, you, you know, and we play this game, I want to say. Maybe that is being a bit disrespectful of being called by God and going for ministerial recognition and doing all these sort of jumping through all these loops to confirm the call of God on my life, which, you know, a nurse and a doctor don't have to do, but a minister somehow does have to do, uh, uh, you know, because that's such a special sacred calling, more sacred than anything else, you know. But now I, I don't know, I, I suppose, I think I've always looked to sort of authority figures to tell me what a meaningful life looks like. And now I suppose this side of mid-faith crisis, I feel a bit freer. And I think, I don't really know why I look to all those authority figures now to, to, to find meaning for me. I suppose I was scared and nervous and insecure. And, you know, now I'm not particularly... Now, and that, that verse that jumps out to me is is it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I think mm. I don't know that I really wanted freedom then. I think freedom's quite scary. Freedom gives you a lot of options and a lot of choice. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not sure I was really ready for the freedom that I actually have and certainly not the freedom to create my own meaning in life. And Sort of one of the things, again, I, I guess with stage of life is you realise, well, what I used to find meaningful, I don't find particularly meaningful now. And now I think what would bring meaning to my life is something different. So, so you know, it's so different to that. Well, God has called me to the ministry to be a church leader. And I'm going to go into that in my, you know, 40s or 30s or whatever it was. And I'm going to do that right through till I retire. I'll probably do it after I retire as well, because there's such a clear calling on my life. And this feels so purposeful and purpose driven and all the rest of it. And and I will find so much meaning there. Mm. Well, no, that's that 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 doesn't float my boat at all. Now, <laughs> now I think about it. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's been quite difficult. I've wrestled through this tension for a few years now. And now I think I'm just coming out of that going, yeah, no, you don't need to, to sweat about that anymore. Do you know, there's, there's plenty of, you know, every day I have is a gift. And every morning, you know, and we, we know that prayer, you, you know, what are we doing together today? 
God. <laughs> I think that's a reasonable prayer. I still think it's a reasonable prayer. This idea of partnership with the divine. I love that. And, um, you know, that recognition that you, you kind of are here as a, well, in my case, a one man blessing machine, you know, to do some good in the world. And, and that will look different every day. That's what I just think. Well, I think there's lots to unpack. You know, I think, firstly, what you're looking for, what you were looking for when you were younger was maybe, you know, wrapped up in that language of meaning and purpose and what's my what's my vocation, what's my calling. Yeah, yeah. But maybe it's just you're asking, what am I good at? Yeah. You know, what? What am I any good at this? I think I am good at this, but I don't know. And so, you know, saying your calling is a way of validating a particular set of skills, I think, as well, that people mm. might have sometimes, frankly, they don't have those skills, but they still apparently have the calling. I've never quite understood that. But there you go. You know, so you, from the start, you're from younger days, because we knew each other when way yes, back. You know, we did. You, you were always such a good communicator, always so good uh, pastorally with people. People love you in a way that I envy. Uh, and, and frankly, knowing you, I'm baffled by. But, you know, that's how it is. You have a you have this immense ability you when you honesty. walk into a place. <laughs> when you walk into a place, you have an immense ability to be, you know, the the centre. The the, <laughs> the and I don't mean this in an ego way. I just mean this is good. You know, you yeah, bring okay. life into a place. Yeah. Uh, people people enjoy yeah. you 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 know in that in that sense. Um, so I think early on, what we we're actually saying, and I had it as a writer, is is kind of like. Yeah, is this my calling? Is this what I'm saying? Or it, really what I'm saying is, am I any good at this? I think I'm good at this. I'm just yeah. not sure. Yeah. And of course, you can be good at different things. And in that sense, the meaning of your life isn't set in one sense. You know, this mm. specific no. kind of areas. Maybe all our, maybe we're all puns and all our lives, you know, our lives have double meanings, have lots yeah. of multiple meanings. Yes, yeah. You know. Well, I think so. I do think so. And the meaning will change at different times. I came across this quote uh, by Jung the other day, and uh, he, said, uh, uh, he said, the afternoon of life is just as full of meaning as the morning, only its meaning and purpose are different. Mm. So you, you, you have a whole different set of roles and things that you're doing depending on... Your time of life, really. Yeah, I think so. That's one thing, I think. How does that resonate? You know, in terms of your calling, your calling now is different. Yeah, and, and I suppose, thank you. And thanks for saying all those things. That really does resonate. I, and I think at this stage of my life, I, I sort of feel like I want to honour my Christian faith mm. and my Christian story. But I, at the same time, I don't feel bound by or constrained by some of its dogmas and behaviours. I, I feel like I'm shaped by the Jesus way. And I... I feel committed to the way of love. I, I remain committed mm. to that path. But but that's it. I think I'm free in Christ. I can love God and do as I please. Is that was that an Augustine quote or I'm not sure. Well love God and do as you please. Or is it just a sound bite on the internet? I I think it is Augustine, but I think like all of Augustine it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so what does that really mean? So what this what this means for me, just to give a little example. So uh, a neighbour of ours is sort of into uh, crystals a bit. I don't know what that even really means, but, you know, that's their spirituality yes. has something to do with crystals. And uh, 
came across someone, another Christian who was going, and they said, where they're going, oh, they're going to see this neighbor, but I'm just praying for protection before I go there because they're, they're into crystals. Mm. And I thought, do you know, that's the sort of thing I would have done many years ago. I would have thought, oh, that's dodgy. That's dangerous because that's, that's not in the Bible. There's nothing about crystals in the Bible. And, and therefore that, that's probably of the devil. And therefore I'm going to pray for protection and cover. Whereas now I think, I'm not saying all paths lead to God. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, why can't we be happy for someone that they, they're connecting to the divine through something mysterious? Mm. Like I do all the time, through a bird, through a sunset, through the beach, through a stone sometimes, a leaf, you know, just marvelling at nature. And so they find, why, why can't, well, I do, that's my point. I'm free. I am free in Christ. I'm mm. free to be happy for that person that they're finding a point of connection. And maybe through, you know, loving that per that neighbor and interacting with them, we get to share our stories together and we get to learn to be more in wonder of the natural world together and more in wonder of the divinity, perhaps, that lies behind all that created goodness. And it's, it's just such a, you know, it feels a lot freer. It feels that post-mid-faith crisis, you just do have this enormous freedom and it's a little bit scary sometimes because there's no authority figures telling me yes joe you can do that no joe you can't do that yes joe you can do that no which i've had all my life mm. it's just i just seem to have found myself entering into this space i think with the divine within me and it's it's far less judgy and it's far less critical of other people's spiritual journeys and you know the stories they tell about them and yes some people tell me they've encountered angels and you know i'm not skeptical about that anymore and some people seem to be on these things that i would have thought was wild and wacky at one point but now i'm kind of interested in hearing their story and where it's leading them and 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 and, and, and you know it, it's allowing me freer and easier conversation that i don't have to guide and manipulate and need to work in my testimony and the four spiritual laws and the gospel message anymore because i just i'm just free to love these people and get do you know what i'm saying here does that make sense oh absolutely and i think that i don't think okay i don't think you are doing anything very different to what you've always done <laughs> i think your understanding of what you're actually the content of that is is has changed mm. so you've always been an evangelist Yes. You know, and I think you're still an evangelist. It's just the the gospel looks different. <laughs> you know, the good news yeah, looks different now. Yeah. Um, I don't think you've always been very pastoral. I don't think you've stopped being pastoral. You're just you're doing it in a different way. And of course, it's a luxury in some respects for people like you, you and mm. I, even though it, we might have come here by some quite difficult routes. But it's it's a luxury uh, that we can think more freely. Yeah. Because there are lots of our listeners who who can't, who want to, but actually are in positions where that's that's quite tricky. So I guess we should be uh, sort of aware of that. You know, in terms of all, all the crystal stuff, just point out there's lots of crystal in the Bible and quite a lot in heaven. That's all I'd say. You know, really? God's that against it. Yes. <laughs> well, according to Revelation, obviously, okay. it's really pretty much carved out of it, isn't it? Anyway, <laughs> that, that, so so I would say that, that the, the gifts, you know, what we 
we've been talking about earlier about my purpose is really right. about what are my gifts? What am I best doing? You know, what? Are, where am I best employed? Where am I best op- operating? What are my skills? What are my strengths? You know, it, actually, you could rephrase it in very mundane ways, yeah. but but really, but really quite helpful ways for people. Mm. Um, and then you know how you use those uh, is, is up to you. I'm, I think God has got a special and unique purpose for you, Joe. Does it involve cheese? In your case, it, it, everything involves cheese. <laughs> but but you know what you, you know what it is. It's to yeah. be Joe Davis. It's yes. to be, that's why you were created. You were created. You were loved into being as Joe Davis. So isn't that the purpose of your life? Well, thank you for saying that. And I think you are right. I I slightly I'm slightly sad that it's taken me till I'm 59 to realize that that is the case. <laughs> I suppose that's the that's the truth, but I I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you are right. And if I can be an evangelist for that message to everyone else, um yeah. then that's that's not a bad evangelistic role, I don't think. But it takes ages for us to realise this. Mm. It took me decades mm. of trying to be other people, uh, of of wanting to be holy like so and so, or and that's not a bad thing. You try on people's clothes and you try out different things, and mm. well, trying on people's clothes is a bad thing if you haven't asked permission. But you know, <laughs> metaphorically, um, you know, you try you try out different things, and it took me decades to work out that what God really wanted for me what he'd always planned for me was to be nick page otherwise there's no point me being here yeah you know there's no point us being created if we're supposed to be someone else entirely now add add in what what i think god wants is is for for me to be the nick page who looks most like jesus you know that kind of uh strange mix uh, I've got the beard, so it's going well. But you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> head stuff. You know, and and I um, obviously, when it comes to anger, I'm entirely without sin. So you know, we're we're making good progress. <laughs> no, I think that's it. It's it's how do you, what are your skills? What is you? What is what does a Jesus shaped Joe Davis look like? And it looks, it looks. I think like. You know, you've always looked, really. Yeah. It just, your understanding is different. Well, this is good. And I just want to pick up on one thing you said there about the Nick page that looks like... I just want to be careful with that one because I do feel for a while in my life, I thought everyone just had to be like Jesus. I mean, you know, pretty Mm. tricky if you're a woman because Jesus definitely was a man. Um, But, you know, and so we would be this monocultural church of you know we'd all have the Mm. same personality we'd have the jesus personality whatever that was um but i think that i i I agree with what you're saying but i want to sort of be careful with that that the church should look incredibly diverse with a huge range of personalities and a huge range of gifts and you looking like jesus would just simply mean it's the best version of nick page well yes it does and you know um that the the purpose of our life is to is to sort of blossom mm. into the person that God had created. I, I think yeah, that's a good point you make. And mm. maybe the look is the wrong thing. You know, maybe it's the mind of Christ yeah. that you have. Yeah. You know, because we, we it it distinctly says in the gospel in the in Paul's letters, you know, we can have the mind of Christ. So maybe yeah. what my purpose is is, you know, to be Nick Page, but to have more and more of the mind of Christ, to think 
in the same ways that Christ does. It doesn't mean I've got to be, mm. you know, to give up my my work and and become a a, a carpenter or you know turn water into wine. I'd quite like yeah. to do that if it's possible, <laughs> but you know, so far that's evaded me. You know, but but it it means that one has to kind of be a disciple of Jesus. That is the purpose. This, I think, is the tragedy of the, the evangelical church particularly, but the church generally, mm. is that for years there's been a very good and clear purpose for all of us of discipleship. And mm. and you would, when I was growing up, I didn't know that was what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. I thought it was believing the right things was what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't realise. Once you once you grasp this, then it doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what you're doing, doesn't matter which job you're in, doesn't matter wh- where you are in the world. Yeah. That's your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Well, look, I, thank you. I wanted to talk about this. We have talked about it. I don't think it went exactly as I expected. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, oh, and well. what I definitely want to say to our listeners, um, for what it's worth is, it's great to be you, whatever you're going through at the moment. And Lord knows there's there's so many tough situations many of us are facing at this time. But but it's good to be you. Become more and more you, the you you were always created to be by this beautiful, wonderful, divine creator who lies behind this whole mysterious thing we call life. You know, become who you are really meant to be. Don't don't waste time becoming someone else or being someone else. Be be you fully. Sorry, I'm getting all evangelistic. I'll shut up. <laughs> what did I say about your gifts? Anyway, <laughs> um, thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank uh, you. Thank you for supporting the podcast. If you'd like to do that, you can go to our website, uh, midfaithcrisis.org, and find out how to do that there. That's great. Thank you to those who recommend it. Mm. If you would like to write in about anything, you send your emails to joe at midfaithcrisis.org. And especially on this subject of meaning and purpose and, and, and your own wrestles with that or lack of wrestles even. Um, tell us what you're feeling now. Where have you arrived at on these important areas? Love to hear from you. And if you have any insights on what Joe's purpose should be, what the point of <laughs> what is the point of Joe really is the question we've been discussing. It is. Here. I mean, we've come late to the episode title, but there it is. Um, you know, what is the point of Joe? Answers, please, <laughs> on a postcard. Uh, no, if you'd like really? to to get in contact, then we'd love to hear from you, and we will be back with more of the meaning of life next week. <laughs> We will.